If you have a copy of the Word of God with you this evening, can you turn please to Psalm 103? And while you're turning to Psalm 103, I want to thank Stephen for his invitation and welcome. This evening it's good to share a pulpit again with Stephen. We count him a good brother in the Lord, a good friend. Just about this time last year, we were preaching at a mission together over in English. And it was good to stand by the gospel every evening with our brother, stand shoulder to shoulder, preaching the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And it was my privilege to preach along with him night by night. And we were thankful for opportunities to serve the Lord. Can I say on behalf of Naomi and Brian, we want to thank you so much for your prayers for Mark. And we really mean that. I just was thinking, dear people, this evening, do you remember Joseph, along with the chief baker and the butler, do you remember what Joseph said? He says, but thank on me when it shall be well with thee. Thank on me when it shall be well with thee. And thank God tonight, we who are in the house of God with good health and strength. But I went down to see Mark a few weeks ago and how sobering it was to see a young man in the ICU in the Royal Victoria Hospital. And then a woman, as his wife said to me, the operation it was to save his life. One fall, one phone call changed his life. And tonight, Mark is out of the ICU and he's down into a different ward. They said one of the last things he would do would be to speak. Well, tonight Mark is fit to speak. Now, his left-hand side isn't good. His right-hand side's very good. His left-hand side just isn't as good. And we are so thankful, and we mean that. We're so thankful for the prayers of God's people. I was preaching last week in Market Hill, and smiles from me, and yet many were asking about Mark and praying for him. And we're so thankful for the lifeboat and for those that are praying for him. And can I just say, just continue to pray for him. He needs a touch. He needs still the Master's great touch upon him and continue to pray for his great bodily need, and then the Lord will meet the need spiritually. We are so glad to be here tonight. We really mean that. We often pray, and we don't say this to sound patronizing, but we often pray for the work and witness here. We pray often for Bertie and Pat, and we thank God for them, and we pray that the branches will continue to run over the wall. And what God is doing, thank God the Lord's able to give thee much more than this. Psalm 103, we're going to read a few verses. It's not normally what I read in my testimony, but I believe the Lord wants us to read it tonight. Psalm 103, and the Word of God says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. 
For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then we've got their finger in Psalm 103. Turn just to Psalm 113, just two wee verses in Psalm 113. I was reading this yesterday, and it's been in my mind since our brother Stephen asked us to come tonight. And God just brought it before us yesterday afternoon. Psalm 113 and verse 7. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him of princes, even with the princes of his people. Amen. We know that God will add his blessing to his own word this evening. We're just going to ask the Lord for his help tonight as we come and share a word of testimony, please. Heavenly Father, we come before thee in Jesus' name. We thank thee, Lord, for all that has went before. Lord, we come now to this word of testimony. And we cry tonight that none would be seen, save Jesus only. Lord, I cry for help. I cry tonight that thou would give us help to exalt the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God tonight for the power of the precious blood. Thank God tonight there's value and victory and virtue through his blood. And Lord, we cry now that thou would manifest the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, in answer to prayer, save the lost, restore those that have fallen out of the way, and encourage and revive thy blood-bought people. In Jesus' name, amen. My name's David Junkin. As Stephen has said, I was born and raised in a little village in County Londonderry, or County Derry, it doesn't mean nothing to me, in a little village called Balake. There wasn't, there's not much in it. Most of it, people say the only good thing in Balake is just the road out of it. But I had a great privilege, and I really mean that. I had a great, great privilege in life that I was born into a Christian home. Can I say tonight, and you've heard it said so many times, and I know familiarity breeds contentment, but what a privilege. What a privilege that mum and dad were praying for my soul. What a privilege to have saved parents. I was born and raised in Balaki, and I can say tonight, echo the words of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, and that from a child. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I was sent to a gospel preaching church. I was sent to Mockerfeld, Free Presbyterian Church. Thank God that every Sunday school teacher that taught me, every Sunday school teacher that taught me, they were all saved. Every children's meeting worker that taught me, they were all saved. Every evening, every Sunday evening, every Sunday morning, the gospel was preached. And I look back in those days and I can say tonight, bless the Lord, O my soul. I thank God tonight for a God that was so good, a God that was so merciful, a God that was so gracious that He would have me born into a Christian home and sent to a gospel preaching church. And you see, dear people tonight, with such an upbringing, an upbringing in the home where mom and dad were saved or saved and loved the Lord and taught us the things of God and then sent every Sunday. You see, we live in a different day and generation. You see, when I was a child, I wasn't asked, David, are you going to Sunday school? David, are you going to the children's meeting? No. 
You were sent week by week faithfully. And you know, when we went to church, our meetings didn't start at that time to 8 o'clock at night. And the meetings were long and they weren't over to half nine. And many a Sunday night we were carried out faithfully by mom and dad. Faithfully sent. And with such an upbringing, such an upbringing, I realized and I knew that I was a sinner. Tonight, we all need to realize that we're all sinners. You see, we hear a lot about equality in 2023, but God comes and He says through His Word that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, dear people, the Word of God says in Psalm 58 and verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. I realized as a little boy that I was a liar before God. I had told lies. I had stole. And you see tonight, the world, the world tonight outside this house and, and the moi tonight, the world, they promote and they parade sin and they see nothing wrong of sin. But can I say tonight, if you're in this meeting and you're not a saved person, you're not a Christian, you're not born again, I want to tell you, it's no mean thing to be a liar before God. And I realized as a little boy that I had lied. I had told lies. I was guilty. Guilty. Now, there's not any one of us that would like to leave this house tonight and go to bed and go up tomorrow and have to go to court realizing and knowing that the judge is going to find me guilty tomorrow afternoon. And yet tonight, if you're not saved, you're going to meet the judge of all judges, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to be declared guilty before Him. And I realized that. I hadn't always obeyed mom and dad. We were known around their part of the country. I have a twin brother and an older sister. And we were told we were called the terrible twins. And I laughed. There was one night there was a man came to our church and he testified and he said that he was a twin and he was the terrible twin. And some boy said to me after the meeting, every county has them. And me and Mark round our part, we were known as the terrible twins. And we had sinned against God, and we knew that. And I can honestly say tonight, with such an upbringing, I thank God tonight. And I remember, as a young boy, going to church on Sunday evening. And I remember one Sunday evening as a little boy, going in and speaking to the children's meeting worker and the minister of that church. And I remember saying the sinner's prayer, and as a little boy, the childlike faith, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. I remember that night I was running about the church car park hyper, and I went home that evening with mum and dad and my, my older sister Imelda and Mark. I remember mum and dad driving home that night from church. And bad things was going on in the land. And I remember coming into Balaki. And the police and the army were stopping. And you know what parents do when the police are stopping? The first thing they do when they see a distance, they say, have you your seatbelts on? We had our seatbelts on. And as we were waiting on the queue, the, the army man, he came and he, mom and dad, I can't remember which one was driving, but they put down the window and the army man, he, he shone the red light in. And it just was on my face. And I says to that man, I just says, everything's going to be okay tonight. I got saved. Now, the reason why I share that story with you is this. 
I remember my mother taking a godly woman to the prayer meeting week by week. She's now in heaven tonight. A very godly saint. And Iris told the story of how she was at a meeting one night where a soldier gave a word of testimony. And he said he was in patrol one night and he said the words of a little boy that said, I get saved, everything's going to be okay, never left him. And that man, many years later, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight the word of God? Thank God men have tried to burn it and ban it and blame it. Thank God tonight the old book's well alive. And the Bible says a little child shall lead them. Little child. Now I went through primary school and primary school, and can I say it reverently, primary school for me was a bit of a dos. It was easy. But it's not going to be as easy for my, my wee boys tonight, is it? Or your children tonight? It was easier 30 years ago to go through primary school. It's not just going to be as easy for the next generation. That's why, dear people, we need to pray like never before that God will reverse all that the enemy is trying to do and wants to do. And you see, I went through primary school, and primary school for me, it was very easy. I remember one thing. I remember my grandfather, he'd bought a tractor, and my uncle decided to take us for a spin in this tractor. And I remember... I was standing beside the door, and Imelda and Mark were in with us, and Uncle Derek was driving the tractor, and the door wasn't just shut right, and I fell out of the tractor, and I was so close to being run over. And there, as a young boy, God's hand of, God's hand of safety was even on my life. I look back at that, and I smile, and I thank you... You might think this is strange that I'm going to say, but it was one of the greatest blessings that ever happened to me. You say, David, how do you say that it's a great blessing that a tractor near runs over you as a little boy? It put me off farming forever. I wasn't worried about milk. I wasn't worried about machinery, tractors, silage. That finished me with the farming. And I left off at, at primary school, and then I went to secondary school. I went to Mockerfelt High School. And can I say, as I said before, my mother and father were well-saved people, and I was reared in a home that there was no television in the Lord's day. The Lord's day was a day that he had hallowed and blessed. It was set apart. And I tell you, dear people, we need to get back to days like that again, families like that again. You see, there's no blushing now of men that profess to be saved and women that profess to be saved. They promote it. They put it in social media, what they do after the Lord's Day. They, they watch this and they watch that. And I, was, I wasn't reared in that home. I was reared in a home that God was to be feared. And can I say, I had watched my father night after night for hours in that book, preaching in the open airs and praying. But there was something happened to him, and it's just a warning for us all because the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. A brother offended. And I'm not going into detail tonight, but Dad started to backslide. And it was just about the age that I was leaving and going to high school. And you see, men and women, we teach our boys and girls in our own church, read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. It sounds so simple, but it's so simple if you leave it off. You don't grow. And I went to secondary school and high school, and Dad had 
Dad had stopped going to meetings, and there was my faithful wee mother, and she was plowing along Pharaoh by herself, and teaching Sunday school week out, week in, week out, and going to every prayer meeting in the church, and working away for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you see, I started to watch what had happened, and then, you see, I start, stopped in my own wee little faith of reading and praying, and then I went to the bigger school, and I didn't take my stand for Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, dear people, if you leave off with God, the devil is a great, he, will, he is a great distractor, and he's one that will occupy your life. He'll find something to distract you. He'll find something to occupy your life. And for me, and it might sound funny for you tonight that have no interest in it, but for me, it was football. All I'd done when I went to the bigger school was play football. Football, football, football. That's all I'd done at high school. And you see, I thank God. I look back at it now. I thank God for a faithful mother that, that she, she didn't allow us to go to the disco at, at the high school. Didn't allow us to go to the cinemas. Didn't allow us to go to the discos. And I didn't like it. And I wasn't into the music. And I wasn't into the dancing. But everybody else was going. And can I say there was people that professed faith and going to the same church that I went and they had no bother sending their children. And they were going and I was getting all the stick and they made a song about me and they made a wee song and they said D-I-S-C-O Junkies not allowed to go. And I used to think, Mom, why would you not allow me just to go and I'll stand at the back and I'll be the first out. But she was faithful to God. And she said, no, they're not going. And I, for so many years at high school, I never took my stand. And as I say, I just wanted to play and eat and drink and sleep football. And that's all it was. And that's all I did for those years. And I'm probably the only man that ever passed his exams twice. Now you listen, I passed mine twice. I passed mine on the way in and I passed them on the way out. I had no interest in school. I didn't like school. I had no time for the books or study. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. And I was always going to leave and go and work, work along with my father. My father was a self-employed brick there. And I wanted to be a builder like that. Now, if you were to ask me tonight, would I do it all over again? I'm not so sure. Because when I got married and I sat in the plane, the woman that sat beside me, the other woman, my wife, and then there's a woman beside me, she says to me, my son's a brick there. And the other comes home foundered, drowned, or scundered. And I thought that's a right summary. But the law of the first mention is very interesting because the first time bondage is mentioned in the Word of God is in the book of Exodus, and it's to do with bricks and mortar. But anyway, I thank God for a job and health and strength to do it. But I left. I left school. And all I had level ways was a spirit level and I served my time. Now listen, at high school I could jump onto a bus and go and play football and come home, that was it. But you see when you get older and you start to get money and then the car comes and then independence comes then you're not playing for an under 16 team anymore, under 14, 15, 16 team, no, no, no. You're starting to play for a man's team. And do you know what happens before the match? Do you know where you go before the match? Bookies. I remember the first time that I went to the bookies in Castle Dawson. Do you remember Moses? 
Remember Moses slew the Egyptian and he looked left and he looked right. He looked round him to see who had seen him. I remember going into the bookies and I came out and I thought, my mom's at home helping around Balaki. I wonder how she's seen me. And then the Spirit of God spoke to me, Thou God seest me all the time. And then you see, dear people, what happens after, after the match? Where do you go after the match? Will you go back to the pub? And then where do you go after the pub that you come home and you go out to the nightclubs? And can I say from 16 years of age to 22, my life was just like a hamster going around and around on a little wheel for six years. And there was things I thought and I said I would never do. But I done them. And I'll tell you, men and women, sin tonight, don't play with sin. Sin tonight is exceeding sinful. And for six years, I went further and further and deeper and deeper into sin. I went to all the boys' holidays every year. Ran from God, ran from the meetings. I went away with young men and laughed and joked and mocked and, and fooled about. I went to watch the football team that I supported and went to watch them and went to the weekends and I was making good money at the brick land. I was captain of the football team. I was living, I was loving life. But can I say to you, if you had looked at me from the outside and you would have said, there's a young man and he drove a nice car and making good money and going away weekend after weekend and, and, and boys' holidays, it all looked right. But can I say to you, inwardly, I wasn't happy. And tonight, you might sit in God's house and all might look well. But tonight, you might be the most miserable man in the lifeboat. Or you might be the most miserable woman in the lifeboat because you've tried the broken cisterns. You've tried the wine woman in the song. But tonight can I say to you that I only found life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In those six years, there was a young man that took a serious burden for my life. And he's now my minister in Pork the Known. I remember asking the late Clarence when I was here the last time that he ever hear David Stewart preach, and he, he had. I think David preached in the barn one night many years ago, and I laughed away Clarence said it. He thundered out the gospel. He thundered it out, and I thought, you've got the right man, for he thunders it out. Can I tell you, that young man had a serious burden for my soul. Now, Listen. That's why I thank you so much for praying for Mark Miller because he's not your burden, he's my burden. And I thank you for doing that. And it takes something supernatural from Almighty God to give another man a burden for somebody else that isn't blood-related. And Mr. Stewart, he had a burden and God gave him a promise for myself, Mark, and his own brother, and can I say something tonight? His own brother is now a minister in the gospel. I go around the country preaching, and my brother's saved tonight. And you've got a promise. You pray on. You pray on. And he had a serious burden, and he used to ask me to come to all the meetings. And can I tell you tonight, I never let him down. If he had asked me to go to any, any meeting, I went. 
because I realized there was a man and he had reality. He was genuine. He was a young man sold out to the Lord, given absolutely to the Lord. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he loved Him. When he asked me, I went, and can I say something? Many a meeting, many a mission, I sat in, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. And the Spirit of God convicted me, but because of the lure of sin and, and different things, I didn't want to come back. Tonight on see you, friend. There's many a man. I was thinking of what Agag said there in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. Agag was the king of the Amalekites. And he comes and he says he walks delicately to Samuel. And Samuel had prayed the night before, all night, because Saul was disobedient. And he comes and he says, he says to Samuel, he says, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And you would have thought when all was killed, all the Amalekites were destroyed. You would have thought if there was one man in the land that would have came to the Lord Jesus Christ, it would have been this man, Agag. But no, he didn't come. And tonight, many times, have you heard our brother Bertie Johnson? And have you heard our brother Stephen Riddle? Or other men come, and you've just like the soldiers, you've just come and you've sat down and you've watched them there. And you've went out of the lifeboat, and you've trampled the blood of Jesus Christ under your feet, and you've, you've done nothing about it. Can I say tonight, hell has been filled and is being filled with individuals tonight that have done that. I saw the wicked come and go from the place of the holy. And for my shame, with all my upbringing and all my blessings, I didn't heed his voice on many occasions. I started a relationship in 2005 that was a relationship that took me further away from God and deeper into sin. My mother never buttonholed me. She didn't. She never buttonholed me. But can I tell you with all my heart, she convicted me on her knees every morning. I heard her praying for me. Every morning. My mother said, David will never come back. He'll never get right with God when he's in this relationship. And boy, she was right. But you know what God does, you see? Because God knows every man's breaking point. He knows it. And God was just to take the love of this young girl away from me. And the relationship would end in 2007. There I would be, a broken-hearted man. I remember... Hearing a testimony, it was Mr. Shirt got me to come and to listen to a man testify, and I really was inoculated by this man's testimony. His verse was Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. He was saved through the late Ivan Thompson. Ivan Thompson had some burden for this man. The relationship ended. I remember one Wednesday I was building. It was a terrible day and I was scundered and I just kicked the work down and we were coming home and I put my boot to it and I come home and I lifted three cassettes and I lifted three of them and I put one on. Do you know who it was? It was uh, Aidan Thompson. On the Friday night, when I had been used to going out into the world and under the pleasure of sin, there I was, broken hearted. God speaks loudest when you're broken hearted. 
God comes and He was speaking to my soul and I was crying one night and Dad says to me in the kitchen, what's wrong, David? I says, God's speaking to me and He says to me, if God's speaking, don't resist. On the Sunday night, the phone rang in the afternoon, David Stewart. David, you go to church with me tonight? I says, oh. I remember getting ready. I went to church that night and just when I was shaved and I remember just closing my eyes and I just said, Lord, speak to me. It wasn't a big fancy prayer, but I'll tell you, it was a prayer from that. And I says, God, speak to me. Well, that night, our brother, Mr. McRae, he, he preached that night and what was his text? Revelation 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Can I say something? I mean this with all my heart. If Mr. McCray had to shut the Bible then, the work was done. He preached for another area. He went round the world, out of the world, in the world, round the world, told story after story. But can I tell you, the work was done because it's not homiletics, it's not headlines, it's not hermeneutics, it's the Holy Ghost. And see that night. That night I wept like I never wept before. I cried and I cried and I cried and I went down into that room and as Mr. McCray was speaking to me and I was weeping and crying and I just prayed, Lord, restore me and make me a man of God. That's all I prayed. And can I say something? What a change in the life. I got reality. I got, I didn't want, I didn't want sham. The church tonight is full of sham. Full of it. Ezekiel had it in his day when false prophets were trying to make the people right without repenting and they were, were littered with it. But thank God I knew the cost. I knew there would be no more bookies and there would be no more beach club and I knew that there would be no more sin. But thank God I knew there would be prayer meetings. I knew there would be Bible study. I knew there would be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have a twin brother. And if you know anything about being a twin, there's nobody like me and Mark were so close. There was nobody like Mark for me. And I remember God was so good, and I'm keeping an eye on that clock. I remember God was so good. He put us into two schools. A little school was, I came in contact with a man that had a lot of CDs of the late Willie Mullen. And I have about 1,800 CDs tonight. I often joke with Naomi and I say to Naomi, Naomi, they can come into the house and steal anything, but don't touch the CDs. Don't touch them because I'll not maybe get them back. And can I say something? When I got right with the Lord in February 2007, the Lord put us into this school that all I wanted to do was come home from building and just shut myself away and get alone with God. And I drank in of the word of that godly, faithful preacher, Willie Mullen. Now, can I say something? It's, it was some blessing, but what I learned that because of sitting listening to Pastor Willie Mullen, then sometimes the Lord had to bring me to the school and get lower and realize that not everybody that I was listening to then was preaching like Pastor Willie Mullen. And then sometimes I get critical and, and criticized all their men. And it taught me, the Lord's always teaching you. 
Well, can I say something? For years, I just sat in the room and and listened and and drank in the Word as he preached the whole book of Genesis and the whole book of Daniel and right through. And can I say, young people, and I thank God for hearing good reports last night. That's tremendous, fifth for the end last night. But can I tell you, young people, please, listen. Listen to somebody who's just slightly a wee bit older than you tonight. Use your days when you're not married very well. Because I'll tell you, when you get married and you have children, you'll not have the exact same time that you had. And for years, I just sat and listened and drank in the Word. And God was good to me. He put me into another school. There was a man on Monday morning. And he said to me, David, would you come to my house on a Monday night? We have prayer meetings. Now, these weren't the normal prayer meetings. I went to a man's house for one full year. And there's just the four of us, and I was the youngest, and these other men, they were older men. But can I tell you, these men, they knew how to pray. I felt so inadequate. Men that knew what it was to lie on their bellies before God. Knew what it was to cry and to weep and to fast that God would move in the land, that God would move and save loved ones. And for me, God just placed this just listening, drinking in the Word, being sanctified through the preaching, and then coming and praying with, with godly men. And it gave us reality. And you see, that's what I wanted. I didn't want the norm. So many satisfied of the norm, they go to church and they blow their nose and they wipe their nose and they're in and out at, at half nine, but not knowing the, really the power of God. And God was good. And then God started opening doors around the country to, to preach. I remember writing a wee gospel track, and we'd done a town of the town of Garva. We'd done the whole town and we'd give the whole town a gospel track. And I remember coming into church one evening and, and saying to a man that wasn't saved, he says, David, I believe you're doing a bit of outreach. He says, Could you give me one of the tracks that you that you made and put out? I says, I can. I will, I'll go to the car now and get it. And just before I went to church that evening, the Lord had spoken to me, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. I give that man a, a gospel track. By the time I get home, I get the news that that man gets saved. And can I say something? We're unprofitable servants and best, and it's our privilege to serve the Lord. And we should do it if we never get rewarded. And yet, how good is God that He would reward His people? God just came and He saved that man. Then you see, I remember God, the first promise the Lord ever gave me was, oh, you, got it, you always get it tight after you come back to the Lord or you get converted. And I remember I was taking a D.L. Moody book to work one day and I remember looking at a verse that was Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I went to a meeting that Friday night. There wasn't much there, but I remember... That evening, coming out of the main building into the complex, and I remember looking up on the wall, and what was written on the wall? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. Then you see, God's so good. I asked the Lord one day, I says, Lord, you know the money in my bank balance? He, he knows. And I says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to buy a house, build a house, rent a house? The next day, the Lord showed me through his word, build thee a house in Jerusalem. And then my brother, he wasn't saved at the time. He's smart. He said, you're going to write me a bit. Jerusalem. I says, Mark, in the Bible, Jerusalem speaks at home. I'm not leaving you. 
The Lord showed us to build a house, and I built a house. Then the problem was I had this house built. I had the nest, but I hadn't got the bird. And then I used to be preaching at missions and meetings, and I have to be honest, it really annoyed me. Because people would have said, people would have said to you, Well, young Junkin, have you not got a woman yet? And there was me standing between the living and the dead, preaching about heaven, judgment, hell, and eternity. And a man would be worried about my love life. And I just said to that man, I remember saying to him, Look, if the Lord was fit to get Adam a woman and there was no woman in the world at that time, he'll be fit to get me one. Don't be panicking. I was preaching in a mission one night, or Brother Shields is here tonight. I was preaching in a mission, and, and I came out of the prayer meeting, and this girl came in, and it was Naomi, Naomi Miller. And Keith's here tonight, and he'll say to you, if you speak to him after, after that night, he rang me the next day, and he says, David, that's going to be your wife. And I, Ermark, at our wedding, he... Mark at our wedding, he said a very funny thing. He says, I try to stay away from Keith now because I'm scared Keith will say to me, and she maybe looked like Susan Boyle or somebody. He says, he says, I try and stay away from him. But Keith Shields said that night, Dave, that's going to be your that's going to be your wife. But can I say something honestly? For six, seven years, I I hadn't had a woman. Because the Lord had me in that school prayer study. And I wanted my next girlfriend to be my wife. That was it. And I want to tell you, young people, tonight, there's nothing God-glorifying of going out with a girl for six months and then another one and then another. There's nothing God-glorifying in that. And I met Naomi at the mission one Thursday night, and she was there in the next week. And we built up a little friendship, and she was heading to Africa to go and serve the Lord on a missionary trip. And we were praying about it. And do you know what the amazing thing was? Do you know that man that annoyed me by saying to me, but have you not got a woman? And I says, well, the Lord brought the woman onto the man. He'll be fit for me. Don't panic. That Monday night prayer meeting that I went to one year, Naomi had flew and away into, away into Africa to serve the Lord. And there's us praying, Lord, what will you have us to do? And one morning, one of those men that I prayed with on a Monday night, do you know what he texted me very early in the morning? And the Lord brought the woman onto the man. And he dropped the phone. I says, what's that man texting me at that time in the morning? That, that's, that's of the Lord. And then I started to pray about it. And God was speaking to me and dealing with me. In Genesis chapter 24, the unnamed servant, most think it's Eleazar, and I'd agree with them, but the unnamed servant, he went out to seek a bride for Isaac. I remember one night the Lord speaking to me so clearly in my wee room. He says, David, your wife's in a different country tonight. That was two things, and I wanted the Lord to sign it and seal it. And we do you see? And I ask the Lord sometimes, I says, Lord, speak plainly to me, simply and clearly. Don't let it go over my head. And the Word of God, it says in the book of Ruth, chapter 4 and verse 17, the first time David is mentioned in the Bible is Ruth, chapter 4 and verse 17. And guess whose other name's in the verse? Naomi. Now, the Lord's telling me all this, and she's in Africa, and I'm sort of falling for her, and she's in Africa, and I tell her this. You know what she tells me? He's my God too, you'll just have to tell me. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I've waited so long. Now the Lord's shown me all this, and you're making me wait. And old Nicholson used to say, there's only two things to do when a man falls in love, sell or marry him or bury him. 
But I knew the Lord would show her and lead her and guide her. And the Lord did. And not that long after she came home, the Lord was working with Naomi and dealing with Naomi. And I want to tell you Naomi's testimony, how well she thinks of this place, and Bertie and Pat. And I'm indebted to you, dear people. And she loves this place. And she often says to me, David, if the Lord hadn't shown you to build a house in Jerusalem and we were closer to my home, we'd be coming here. And I want to tell you, dear people, I thank God for the wife that he has given. And I want to tell you, young people tonight, it's better, listen, it's better to be on the shelf than to be in the wrong cupboard. Did you get it? It's better to be in the shelf than in the wrong cupboard. And we went out and we got engaged and we got married. And what a blessing it is to have a woman that is behind you and she sends us all over the country to preach and she's with us and she's for us. And what a helpmate. And we weren't that long married to her mother. We got bad news just about six months to a year after we got married that Jean had a brain tumor. 61 years of age. And then we were praying about children and we realized that Jean wasn't going to be with us forever. And then we were, Naomi got pregnant and God's so good. I remember the Lord speaking to Naomi. The very verse, now listen to this, the very verse that showed us to come together was the signing of its scripture, the word of God. Text message, nice, but you like it in the word. And the very verse that my name was in Naomi's name was in the same verse. Do you know what it says? There is a son born unto Naomi. And I remember that day, I was at the open air, and she'll be listening to this tomorrow, and she'll say, what did you say that for? But I remember she was nearly due, and she shouts to me, we're going to the hospital. And I says, why didn't you tell me? I put a big stick in the fire. And we, we went to the hospital, and there was complications and there she is, she's away for her emergency section, and, and there am I, just never passed this way before, and you're threatening, and you're thinking, what's going on? And I remember just getting on my knees and bringing this to the Lord, there is a son born unto Naomi. And thank God, this evening, there's a four-year-old four boy, and I hope he's in bed, and his name's Micah. And then God gave us an hour little boy, and his name's Caleb. And the Lord showed us through the Scripture, the Bible says a child, there's a child born in the house of David, and his name is Josiah. Well, I knew Josiah wasn't a girl, and the Lord has spoke to us again. And we didn't have to go to the midwives to see what are we having. We knew. We knew. And you see, that's a personal and a living relationship because he walks with me and he talks with me. I want to tell you tonight, God's real. I want to tell you tonight, God tells you these things. But you see, dear people, I had a twin brother and I loved him. I loved him. But Mark was deep in sin. Mark was a serious gambler. Would have thought nothing of putting a thousand pounds on a football team. A tennis match. He went into a relationship and it was a messy relationship and he broke up with that girl. I remember taking him to church one evening. Mr. Stewart was preaching on Manasseh. And I opened up the Word of God and I went to the passage of Scripture and I looked at Mark and I says to Mark, I says, Mark, 
this was a bad boy. Mark looked at me and he says, that book's full of bad boys. I said, that's right. That night, as Mr. Sherd preached, thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. And that night on the way home, I knew, I knew the Spirit of God was speaking to me. I had to leave my great uncle home. He's now in glory. I had to leave him home and nobody spoke the whole way. And I knew that Mark was going to say to me, David, take me back to the church. I'm getting, I need to be saved. And he says to me, when Danny went into his house, he says, David, I need to be saved. And that night, we took him back to the manse. And that was a few years ago. And thank God he's saved tonight. My mother had a promise for my granddad, 27 years. You do a right wee bit of praying in 27 years. And she had the joy of leading him to Jesus Christ before he died. I want to tell you tonight, dear people, and you know it well, God is good. God is good. And he's given us opportunities and desire to, to live for him and to preach the gospel and go around the country and, and to do as well. I broke a leg playing football. I've gave up the football now. I broke two legs. I've no more legs to break. But can I say something just in closing? I broke a leg playing football. I was in the middle of a mission. I had three nights left at a mission. And I had preached and there were souls coming to Christ. And there was many coming in. And there I was. I broke a leg playing football. It was a bad tackle. I needed to go to the Royal and get pins and screws and different things. And my whole family we were devastated and the people of God were devastated. And I remember I said to mum and dad, just bring me down my Bible. And can I say something? That night in the Royal Victoria Hospital, all I did that night in that hospital was pray all night. And through the operation the next day, everything went well with the operation. But can I say something to you? What God was doing to me, he just gave us a little taste of preaching and, and seeing men and women coming to Christ and nobody could understand what was happening. Why is this young fellow broken hearted and a leg break and a desperate break it was? Why, why? Can I say something? I say it to the glory of God. You know what God was doing? He was putting me into a different school. And for those months when I was off work, I was praying for hours every day. And if you had said to me before that, about the time that I was praying, if you had said, David, I would have said you couldn't have done it. And you see, men and women, the Syrians, they said that he's the God of the hills, but he's not the God of the valleys. Can I want to tell you that he's the God of the valleys? He's the God of the valleys. And there was a valley life in my experience, and thank God it brought me closer to Jesus Christ. And I've got a desire to do the will of God. And I've got two wee boys, Mike and Caleb, what a day and generation to raise a family. And as head of the home, the responsibility falls on me as prophet, priest, and king. And we bring them together at night, and one's two and the other one's four. We just bring them together and we tell them a, a wee story or a wee verse, and we keep it so plain, so simple, so clear. And then we pray with them, and then we sing with them. And I trust that in days to come that God will raise them up and make them men of God. I often pray that God will make them generals in the army of God. Tonight, if you're unsaved, not saved, the harvest has passed, the summer's ended, 
and you're not saved. Dear friend, tonight, please go home saved, not not saved. Come to Jesus Christ. If there's one and you're falling out by the way, and all looks well, and all looks well from the out, but you're not opening the book and you're not on your knees, can I tell you tonight, come to the King's Son. No matter if you need fellowship or relationship, thank God He can meet the need. And children of God tonight, and thank God for the... Thank God for what God is doing down here, but continue to pray on and to press on. In Jesus' name, hand it over to Stephen, please. Since you've got alone. Verse 4 says, Return. Return. Return, O holy dove, return. Sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sin that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. I wonder what it is tonight that's holding you back. wonder what it is tonight if you're not saved. What is it that's stopping you from getting saved tonight? Wonder what it is tonight if you're not walking with God and you're backslidden. What is it that's holding you from coming, coming back tonight? Well, the, the next verse is the answer. The dearest idol I have known. And you'll know it tonight. You'll know it now when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on it. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. We're going to rise to our feet and then we're going to close and prayer. Make this hymn a prayer tonight. Don't leave this meeting unchanged. Maybe you've been challenged, but don't go home unchanged. Whatever the need is tonight, as we stand to your feet and sing, you just lift your heart to the Lord tonight. He knows your heart. He knows what's going through your mind tonight. And may every one of us leave this meeting tonight having a closer walk.